So we're continuing our sermon series uh, this morning called No Perfect People Allowed. And uh, so I, as I was preparing this message, I, I kind of a clip, a movie clip came to mind because I, I tend to think in, in song clips and movie clips and TV clips. Sorry, it's just how I'm wired. And anyway, so we're going to show this one to you. It's a very brief one, but probably most of you will recognize this one. So we'll watch this one and then we'll jump into the, uh, the message. Consider yourself in contempt. Colonel Jackson, did you order the code red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You want answers? You can't handle the truth! Now, how many of you this morning think that you are really, really good at handling and dealing with the truth? Not too many. How many of you think the world in general has a hard time these days handling the truth? Raise your hand. All right. We have a hard time dealing with the truth today. And that's really what we want to talk about this morning. In this series, uh, No Perfect People Allowed, uh, it really is about how the world perceives us as Christians and is as a church that represents Christ and how they perceive us and what that means and how it impacts our ability to share the gospel with them. And if we are going to be imitators of Christ, and by the way, that's what Christian actually is supposed to mean, imitators of Christ, If we're going to be imitators of Christ, then we have to adopt the mission of Christ, which was to share the gospel with a world that's lost. And so this morning, we want to talk about how we deal with the truth and how we communicate it. Now, just in case you don't think that that matters, in case you don't think it matters how we deal with and communicate the truth, I want you to envision for just a moment A wife and a husband getting ready to go somewhere, uh, and the wife has gotten dressed, and she looks at her husband in this brand new outfit that she's got. She says, honey, does this outfit make me look big? How we deal with and communicate the truth really matters. It really, really matters. And in our world, it seems like nobody can handle the truth anymore. Just as an example, I mean, in America, we've gone from a a culture where two plus two equals four to two plus two equals five or seven or 26 or 73 or Johnny, whatever you want it to mean, because we don't want to, we don't want to squash your, your vitality. And, and then we've gone from taking out a red pen and marking that answer wrong so that the student can see, oh, that's wrong, I got to fix that, to banning red pens altogether. Because we don't, hey, you know, it might hurt somebody's feelings and we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We, we've gone from a, a country that gives the winner a trophy to everybody gets a trophy. Thanks for participating. You tried, and that's really all that matters. We, we've gone from a country 
where we instituted and enshrined the idea that all men are created equal to going from, well, if everybody's equal, then, then we, that means all thoughts are equal. I mean, because if people are equal, then the thoughts have to be equal. And then we've jumped from, if all the thoughts have to be equal, then that means all truth has to be equal. I mean, we have, we have really taken some massive leaps in our culture. And, and I think that most people my age and my generation and older, and, and maybe even some generation Xers and, and millennials and, and younger, maybe you're looking at this, you're going, what in the world is going on? I mean, have we lost our minds? Well, the short answer to that is yes, we have. We've, we've lost our minds. But if you happen to think that we are living in a culture that is, is dealing with truth in a way that has never been experienced before in human history, let me remind you that Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes that there is nothing new under the sun. Everything moves in cycles. In fact, Pontius Pilate asked a question 2,000 years ago that is still being asked by tons and tons of people today when he asked this question, what is truth? If you have your Bible, open it to John chapter 18. I've got a couple of other verses in John this morning. It's on the screen, so you don't have to turn, but I encourage you to because it's always good to see context. In John 18, we have a, a snippet of a conversation between Pilate, who was the Roman ruler, and Jesus before Jesus went to the cross. And in verse 37 of chapter 18, Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, well, you say rightly that I'm a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? Let's pray. Father, as we dive into your word this morning and as we talk about our place in, in the world and how we how we communicate the truth of your word to the world around us that is dying and going to an eternity separated from you in a place called hell. God, I pray that you will speak to our spirits, God, that you will crack open the hard places that keep us from being able to be all that you want us to be, all that you purpose to be, all that you envisioned us to be. Lord, help us to be moldable clay in your hands this morning. Bless your word, bless your church. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. So the, the question of, of truth, it, it's an interesting one. And, and let me give you some reasons why I think that so many people are struggling with this question of truth in the world today. I think that because of the Age of Enlightenment, which began in the 1600s and is, is um, something that was really rooted in, in science and reason, Western culture, which is mostly Europe and, 
and um, the United States and Canada, Western culture has really embraced science and technology and reason as sort of the basis for truth. Truth is based on facts which can either be proven true or proven untrue. I mean, that's, that's pretty much the Western culture. That's the Western mindset. Truth is based on facts that can be proven or disproven. Now, let me tell you why that comes into play in the way that we communicate the gospel. Let me give you a few truths. The world is flat. Okay, that used to be totally accepted as the truth. Now, it makes sense. I mean, you know, you're, you're standing flat and I mean, how else are you going to perceive the world? The world is flat. Now, we know obviously that the world is not flat. Science has advanced to the point where we understand the world is not flat. But I've often kind of wondered, how did those guys kind of deal with the idea of the edge? You know, I, I mean, I just, I just sort of could see two, two buddies, you know, in the middle ages, you know, hey, have you seen Nigel? No, I saw him hanging out near the edge the other day. I said, boy, if you don't take care of yourself, you're going to fall off. You're going to get in trouble. I bet he fell off the edge. I told him it was going to happen. I mean, what? just really, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. My mind does strange things, but how, how do you deal with the idea of the edge of the world? But anyway, that was the truth. Here was another truth, that the sun revolves around the earth, which also makes sense. We're not moving. I see the sun come up over there in the start of the day. It's over there in the middle of the day. It's over there at the end of the day, and then it disappears, and it comes back over here again. And it always comes up in the same place. And by the way, just totally chasing a rabbit here, but I, I watched, um, uh, I watched uh, the Newlywed Game. How many of you remember that show? I watched the Newlywed Game one time, and uh, the husbands were gone, and they asked the wives, they said, uh, in your neighborhood, which direction does the sun come up in? To probably no one's surprise, there was not a single one that said the east. Every husband came out, well, it rises in the east. And every wife, I'm not kidding, every wife argued with her husband. It does not. Our, our house list sits over here and it comes up on that side of the house. That is not the east. Yes, it is. So here's, here's people that are looking at, hey, I'm standing still, and it's the sun that's moving. So the sun revolves around the earth. Now, a little more modern example, Pluto is a planet. Now, we all understand that all of those facts, all of those truths are not true anymore. They're not facts anymore, although I still have my own opinion about Pluto, it seems a little goofy to me. Um, <laughs> uh, so I had to go there. <laughs> but we, we know those are, they're not facts. And, and I think this is how a lot of the Western world and certainly in our modern culture, it's how they approach truth is that truth, it might be true today, but it could be completely 
untrue tomorrow because I see science and technology tells me one thing today and somewhere down the road it changes and that's not true anymore. And so the world is perceiving truth as a changing, shifting reality. And so they don't see truth, they don't view truth in the way that we do through eyes of faith and spiritual insight. And if you throw on top of that, who decides whose truth is truth anyway, right? I mean, so if you have two people with different opinions of what's truth, who gets to decide which one is actually true? And, you know, is, is there something that might be true for you, but it's not true for me? Is there something as absolute truth? Does, does that exist? Well, these are, these are all questions that in general terms the world is wrestling with. They're struggling with it. And if we're being honest, maybe some of you here this morning struggle a little bit with this too. What, what is truth? How do we define truth? And in a culture where we have decided that we don't want to offend anybody's sensibility for any reason whatsoever, we've worked really hard to basically make all things equal. All things are equal, which makes this communication of truth all the more difficult to accomplish. But I'm here to tell you this morning that two plus two does not equal five, does not equal seven, does not equal 23. Two plus two equals four. That is the truth. It always has been, and it always will be. It doesn't change. God's word is truth. It always has been, it always will be, and it doesn't change. Now, I know that most of you who are here this morning agree with what I've just said. I know that most of you agree with that. You may be sitting here and that's not where your, your, your mind is at. That's all right. We invite skeptics to, to hear. Jesus invited that. We invite that too. But right now, I'm speaking to those of you who agree with what I've just said. And I know most of you here this morning, you do. And for those of you who agree with what I just said and believe like I do that God's word is truth, it always has been, it always will be, and it doesn't change. There was an old saying that we used to hang our hats on. Many of you probably have heard it. Maybe some of you have used it. It went like this. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. How many of you have heard or used that term before? Raise your hand. Okay, quite a few of you. That's been around for a long time. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And you know what? It feels good to say that. It feels good to just throw that marker down on the ground and say, this is my line in the sand. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And sometimes when we don't have anything else to say, we don't know what else to say, we just throw that one out there. And it feels good. There's only one problem with this. It doesn't actually settle it. Now see, it, it might settle it for you, and it might settle it for me, but it doesn't settle the question of truth 
in the mind of the world today. And so our message this morning is not about us altering the truth. That's unacceptable. It isn't about us minimizing the truth. That is also unacceptable. But it is understanding and recognizing that we cannot continue to communicate the truth in the same way that we always have if we want to be an effective witness for Christ. We've got to understand the environment that we're in. Let me give you an idea of what we're up against in reaching younger generations. I, um, I do a lot of reading and research as I'm getting ready, and, and I came across an article this week of a survey that was done of college students, and it was uh, conducted and, uh, and provided for by a group I've never heard of them before called the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. Maybe some of you know who they are. I did not. But I came across this survey, and here's, here's one of the, the fascinating insights of this survey, and this is college students. Here's what it said. More than half of students... 57% either agree or strongly agree that colleges and universities should be able to restrict student expression of political views that are hurtful or offensive to certain students. Even worse, more than two-thirds of students, 70%, 7 out of 10 college students agree with this statement. Students at my college or university should be excluded from extracurricular activities such as sports or fraternal life or student organizations or student positions if they publicly express intolerant or offensive viewpoints. Seven out of ten. If you publicly express intolerant or offensive viewpoints, then you should have no opportunity to involve yourself in the actual life of the university. Now, intolerant and offensive. I would suggest to you this morning that increasingly more and more of the Scripture, more and more of the Bible is considered to fall into those two categories. It is considered to be intolerant, and it is considered to be offensive. And so what they're basically saying is 70%, 7 out of 10 students say, if you are publicly speaking things that are intolerant or offensive, which most of the Bible these days would fall into that category, then you have no place in engaging in the life of the school. And I would suggest to you also this morning that when the church as a whole and when Christians in particular focus on the sins that we hate instead of focusing on the gospel that Jesus came to save, it makes it a lot easier for students to wind up at that point of view. I would tell you this morning that we are focusing way too much on the wrong thing. 
Instead of focusing on the gospel, we're focusing on the sin and the activity. And grace, as we learn, does not focus on the activity. Grace focuses on the person. Because it's grace that saves us, not getting our act together. So we have to learn how to share the truth of God to the world around us in ways that they can receive it and believe it. Now, if you think that that's compromising, I would caution you to be very careful about that thought process, and here's why. Because Jesus invested the bulk of his ministry to the masses in telling stories, which we know as parables. And he told stories, which we call parables, so that he could communicate the truth of God in a way that people could understand it and receive it. And if it was important enough for Jesus to understand the context of the world that he entered into and share the truth of God in a way that could be understood and received, then I would say that we're not better than Jesus. I don't think any of us are more capable of sharing the gospel than Jesus And so we should learn from his example and we should understand how do we communicate in a way that people can understand and receive. And I would tell you that the style of communication is really, really, really important in today's culture because the greatest resistance to Christian truth in our world today happens when Christians come across as arrogant rather than humble. When Christians come across as the be-all and know-all and pounding everybody over the head with the Bible, get saved. You know what? 50 or 60 years ago, we might have lived in a culture where people responded okay to that. Like seriously, we, I think we probably did. We don't live in that culture anymore. That is not the world that we live in. It is not the generation that are coming up. That is not what they respond to. And we must understand, you know, if a missionary goes off to a foreign land, we always tell them to understand their culture, don't we? Because they have to minister in their culture. We are missionaries, church. Whether you realize that or not, we are missionaries to the circle of people that you deal with every day. Whether you're in school, whether you're in college, in the work world, in your neighborhood, you are a missionary to the people who are lost in your sphere of influence. And that means we've got to understand the culture. We have to understand how they can hear and receive. And being arrogant with the word of God, being arrogant about that this is truth, it will close their hearts and it will close their minds. Because from their point of view, nobody's got a lock on the truth. Not as far as they're concerned. And Now, if, if you're on our Facebook private page, and if you're not, I really encourage you to be. Uh, lots of prayer requests are shared there and you can sort of get some, uh, maybe some inside uh, what's going on in the life of the church there that we don't always share out in public. But if you're on our private page, uh, you may realize that I've been, God has been giving me an opportunity to have some extended message conversations with an atheist. And some of you were praying for that this last week. And this week, one of, one of the exchanges that I had um, this is exactly, I'm going to read to you the exact verbiage that, 
this person shared with me. There are so many religions in the world, I really don't think that Christians have cornered the market. So many religions in the world, I really don't think that Christians have cornered the market. Church, you must understand, we live in a climate, we live in a culture that does not simply accept that the Bible is the Word of God anymore. They just don't. I believe it. I stand on it. But the world that we are ministering to does not have the same appreciation for this. Nobody's got a corner on the truth. And so to them, truth is kind of like a buffet, right? So they come over here and they decide, I'm going to, you know, pick and choose. I'm going to see, you know, maybe if there's something in here that I like, I'll, I'll take it and have some. Let's see, what do I got in this one? Hmm, judge not. You know what? I've heard people say that. I've heard some people say, in fact, you know, I've, I've, I've heard some Christians that uh, have been really ugly and mean-spirited, and then I've heard some other people say judge not. I like judge not. I'm going to put some judge not on my plate because I like that one, all right? And then they, they take the lid off, off the next pot, and they go, hmm, if it feels good, then do it. You know what? I... I think that's a real good truth right there. If it feels good, do it. I'm, I'm going to take some of that. I'm going I'm to put that on my plate too. So, so let me say, I got, I got a little bit of helping of judge not. And if it feel, you know what? I'm going to take an extra helping of it feels good, do it. I'm going to go ahead and put that. I'm going to lump that one on there because I like that one. Let's see what we got in this one. Hmm. No sex out of marriage. Well, that's just stupid. Who in their right mind would ever say that? That's just dumb. Uh, I, I'll just skip over that one. That must be vegan people or something. <laughs> one way to heaven. Oh, my goodness. How close-minded can you get? One way to heaven? That's, that's ridiculous. So I'll skip that one. Let's see what we got in here, because I still got some room on my plate. Oh, love your neighbor. You know what? I love the way that makes me feel. Love we should love each other. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. Kumbaya. I like that one. All right, so I got a little judge knot. I got if it feels good. I got double helping if it feels good, do it. And love your neighbor. I love that one. Let's see if we got anything to finish this thing off and, and, and really make it good. Bring the tithe. I don't even know what the heck that is. Bring the tithe. Do they mean Tootsie Roll? I don't know. I'll just skip that one. I don't know what that is. All right. This is how the world deals with truth, church. They take whatever suits them and whatever doesn't, they just pass. Now, we can criticize the world, but I'm here to tell you this morning that Christians, in large measure, are just as guilty of doing the same thing. I'll walk back through the line. All right, let's see what we got here. Little judge not. You know what? I really don't like the way Christians have talked in the past, and so, you know, I, I think that's a good attitude to adopt. I'll take a little judge not. Okay, let's see what we got here. Oh, if it feels good, do it. Hmm, hmm. 
I don't know. That one just doesn't seem to line up with the Bible. I think I'll pass on that one if it feels good to it. It just doesn't sound right uh, to me. So, oh, no sex outside of marriage. <laughs> that is so old school. Does anybody really believe that anymore? I mean, hey, listen, we love each other, right? So, I mean, how can... Now, never mind the fact that if it feels good, do it, and no sex outside of marriage are completely in contrast. You know, they're, if, I, if I pass on if it feels good, do it, but then I take no sex outside of marriage, I'm totally contradicting myself. But that's okay. That's what we do with truth these days, isn't it? So I moved down here to one way to heaven. Well, hey, I'm a Christian. I totally believe that. I totally believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. I'm going to get some of this. This is good. And then, okay, love your neighbor. I like this one too. So love your neighbor just sounds good. It sounds a little bit like judge not. And so I'm going to have some, I'm going to have some judge not. I'm going to have uh, one way to heaven. I'm going to have love your neighbor. I like this is looking good right now. What's in this last one? bring the tithe, are they crazy? Do they know how much I'm struggling with my money? Man, I got all kinds of things that I need to do and bringing money to church. All the church wants is money. Money, 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 money. I'm gonna keep, it's my money, I'll do with it what I want to, I'll pass on that one. Am I telling the truth or am I lying? This is how the world deals with truth and I would tell you this morning that most of the Christian world is no different from the rest of the world. We treat truth just like a buffet too. We pick and choose what we like. The parts that we like, we keep, and the parts that we don't, we just move on. Truth is, is hey, if it's good for you, that's good for you. If it's good for me, it's good for, for, for me. And we call that relativism. Truth is relative to the person. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth, and we'll just call it all, we'll just call it all good, right? But church, truth ultimately is truth whether we agree with it or not. See, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you disagree with the truth that there's supposed to be no sex outside of marriage. That's the truth, whether you agree with it or not. There's one way to heaven. It's the truth. Doesn't matter whether you agree with it or not. It's the truth. Bring the tithe. That's the truth. That's what God taught. It's what Jesus taught. It's the truth whether you agree with it or not. And when we choose to disagree with a truth, we don't make it untrue because we disagreed with it. We just make us wrong. We make ourselves wrong. We don't change the nature of the truth. We simply change whether we're right or wrong. That is the truth. And as a Christian this morning, I stand on the word of God as the truth. As a church here at Orchardville, the Bible, God's word, is our final authority. Doesn't matter what a denomination says. Doesn't matter what the practices of the culture are. It, it, it doesn't matter what your preference is. It doesn't matter what my preference is. It matters what does the word of God say. The word of God is our final authority. 
But we need to understand something this morning. The Bible's our final authority because we believe that it is the inspired word of God to us, to the world. But you know what? I can't prove that it's inspired. I can give you lots of evidence, but you know, I can't prove that it's inspired. Neither can you. If we stand on the inspired word of God, we accept it to be true, but I can't prove it, and neither can you. And so when we, when we come to somebody and we start talking about the gospel and we say, well, the Bible says it, so it's true, that has no value to a person who, first of all, maybe doesn't even know anything about the Bible, or if they do, they don't care. So when we start saying, well, the Bible says it's true, that means nothing to them. You understand what I'm saying? It means all the world to us, it means nothing to them. And so because of that, our knowledge, what we know about God and the word of God has to take a backseat to love when we are presenting the truth of the gospel in our world today. And here's why. Because it's not about what you know. It really isn't. It's not about what you know because that's just information. It's about who you know because the ultimate truth is a person, Jesus Christ. Flip over a couple of pages, John chapter 14, verse 6. John 14, 6, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if we are willing to say in today's context that Jesus is the God, that he is the way, that he is the truth, and he is the life, it is totally true. We accept it to be true, but that is not popular in today's culture. You know why? Because it's exclusive. We, we practice diversity. We practice inclusiveness, and that's exclusive. So the world doesn't like the idea that you and I share the word of God that says Jesus claims that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And then, then if you get bold enough to share that out in public, you can almost guarantee you're going to get pushback. And when you get pushback, you want to defend the truth that you've shared. You want to defend God's honor. And this plays out terribly and horribly every day on Facebook. Now, some of you aren't on Facebook, and that's perfectly fine, and probably your life is a lot more peaceful. <laughs> but, but for those of you who are on Facebook, here's what happens. Somebody makes an assertion of a fact, of a truth, 
and then somebody disagrees entirely with that truth or that fact. And now you have this crazy back and forth. And I mean, blood starts to bubble and boil. Temperatures go up. You know, words that should not be uttered are, are actually not just uttered. They're typed in all capital letters. Because I want you to know I'm screaming at you right now. And there's this constant back and forth. And you know what? Out of all that exchange, nobody's mind is changed and nothing has, has been made different. Not a single solitary thing. Now, how can that be? How can it be that nothing changes? Because if my facts, I got my facts, and my facts are better than your facts, and then somebody says, well, no, my facts are better than your facts, and you're arguing back and forth about which one has the better truth and which one has more, more grasp on what's right, and nobody changes anybody's mind, how can that happen? Here's something that the Lord changed in, in my own spirit in the last few years, and it's really made a difference for me. Truth is always best understood and most willingly received within the context of relationship. When we start screaming and shouting through our keyboard, making our declarations of truth, and somebody starts responding back that they disagree, and it becomes a, a free-for-all, nobody's mind is changed because truth is is always best understood and most willingly received within relationship. Now, I want you to think about the verse that we read from John 14, where Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. This was three years into his relationship with his disciples. He'd been with them for three years. In fact, John 14, if you thumb through it, you'll realize John 14 is in the last week of the life of Jesus. This is last week. And Jesus is just now sharing this sort of game-changing insight about truth. He said, I am the truth. He invited them to follow him. He invited them into relationship long before they ever fully understood everything about what he taught. And do not run past that because we cannot just dismiss this idea of relationship as it regards truth. Because if truth is a person, and it is, if truth is a person, which is Jesus Christ, then that means that it boils down to relationship. Let, just let that sink in for a second because this is so contrary to how we're used to dealing with truth. We're supposed to be able to just throw truth out there and the truth will sink or swim for itself, right? Right? That's how I was raised. That's how my mind works. But church, that is not how the culture works anymore. Truth does not sink or swim for itself. It is rooted in relationship. And I think Jesus understood that far better than we do because, listen, we don't have, we don't have facts with each other. We have relationships with them. 
We don't have facts with people. We have relationships with them. Now, that does not mean that facts don't matter. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. When we're talking about truth being communicated within the context of relationship, it doesn't mean the facts don't matter. It means that they don't matter outside of relationship. That's why you can't get anywhere on Facebook. That's why people who hold different political views are hollering at each other and nobody changes each other's mind because they don't have relationship. They're already on opposite sides of the spectrum. And so nobody is changing each other's mind. See, it's in a relationship where Jesus reveals to you who you are. It's in a relationship where Jesus shows you how much you mean to him. It's where he reveals to you the value of your talents and gifts. It's in the context of relationship where all of that starts to make sense. And it's important that we get that because we've all had situations where we've heard people spouting things, you know, and maybe they're true, maybe they're not. Maybe they're important, maybe they're not. But we just dismiss them entirely. Why? Because we don't know them. Right? How many of you really pay close attention to what people say that you don't know at all? Right? If, if you're, Facebook is a great example of this. If you're on Facebook and, and we all have these, you know, people that we have friended and sometimes you wind up with friends that, you know, you don't even know who they are. Right? Raise your hand. Right? You got friends on your Facebook. I, I don't even know who this person is. But you stay friends with them, and you're scrolling through your Facebook page. Do you really bother to read what they said? No, because you don't know them. They might have something really important. They might have something that is totally true, but you don't have relationship with them, and so you just dismiss it altogether. Really doesn't matter the value of what they had to say. It doesn't matter the truth of what they had to say. You dismiss it because you don't have relationship. And church, I would tell you this morning that most people are not convinced to follow Jesus by how well we win our arguments. They're just not convinced by how brilliant we are with our arguing. Arguing. If truth is a who, and it is, before a what, then the best defense of our faith is our own relationship with Jesus and how that changes us. That is the best defense of our faith. When, see, when we keep changing day by day, month by month and year by year because of our relationship, our walk with the Lord, then we, when we start to share with the people around us the truth of God's word, it starts to make sense to them. It begins to ring true. Why? Because we say, well, God's word said it and I believe it. That settles it. No. It starts to ring true to them because they've watched the transformation in our life. Amen? It is our life, our relationship with Jesus that becomes the best defense for the gospel. And so write this down, understand it, Take it to the bank. Jesus does not need lawyers to defend him. He needs disciples to display him. God's not looking for lawyers to prove that he's right. 
He's looking for disciples that show his love and share his love to the world. And if you doubt that, do you think that the early Christians changed the world because they had the best salesmen? Do you think the early Christians changed the world because they had the best talkers? The early Christians, the early church changed the world because of their encounter, their relationship with Jesus and how it changed them. And as the world watched what happened to them, the world said, I want what you have. John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John eight thirty two, and you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. The word, Jesus, the truth, became flesh and dwelt among us, developed relationship among us. And because of that, we beheld his glory. And when people encounter the truth of Jesus through the transformation and the declaration of that through your life, then they will be open to hear this is what the Bible says because they've seen it in your own life. This morning as we come to the end of our service, this has been mostly a message to those who have already been convinced of the truth of God's word. But you may be here this morning and you've always struggled with whether or not this really is God's word. Maybe his Holy Spirit has spoken to you today and maybe a light has come on. Maybe there's another believer here that you've encountered, maybe they're not even here, maybe it's a believer in your life and you've been watching their life and you've been watching it change and all of a sudden, God is making it real to you. The truth shall set you free. The truth is Jesus. You want freedom? You want freedom? Freedom is in Jesus. We're gonna invite you to come this morning and Ask Jesus into your life to forgive you of your sin and, and to, to make you a new person from the inside out to set you free. That can happen like that. For those of you who are followers of Christ, you're convinced of this, but maybe you've been, you've been doing a lot of buffet-style Christianity. You believe the Word of God is the Word of God, but still, you've been picking and choosing. And because you've been picking and choosing, it makes it really hard for people around you to come to Christ because they, they don't really see any difference in you. 
or maybe you're a believer this morning and man, you're old school. You learned like I did. The Bible said it, I believe it, that settles it. And that's all we need to say. It used to be, it's not anymore. And you just need to understand and say, God, help me communicate with grace. God, help me communicate the truth in a way that people can see and receive and believe this is your word and you are good. I ask you all to stand as I pray and open the altar for response. God, thank you for your word this morning and thank you that you came to enter into relationship with us, Lord, not from a distance, but up close, personal. Lord, and it is only because that you walked among us that we know that relationship is key to this whole thing. Lord, you didn't have to come, but you did because relationship matters. So God, help us to become a church. Help us to become a group of, of believers that engage in relationship with the world so that we can share the truth of the gospel in a way that they can believe. And God, if anyone is here this morning that still needs Jesus as their Savior for the first time, I pray they will come and receive you this morning. We ask these things in your name. Amen.